Hey guys, welcome to Relatable, another maternity Q&A episode. Today we'll be talking about once saved, always saved. We'll also be talking about some doctrinal theological differences in Mormonism and Christianity. And that is something that you guys have been asking me about a lot. I know very hot topic, controversial topic, but we're just going to dive into it just a little bit and then I'll answer answer a couple more of your questions if we've got time. All right. Well, first question someone asked me, which I just thought was crazy because I've been eating these a lot recently. Someone asked me, fig newtons or strawberry newtons? Do I think that that, do I think, which one is better? That is, I very rarely eat fig newtons, but recently I have. So I'm like, how does this person on Instagram who asked me this question know that? Um, Honestly, probably the strawberry flavor. I forget which brand it is that we got from Whole Foods, but it's really good. And it's like a really good um, sweet to eat if you don't want to eat, you know, like full on chocolate or candy or something like that. Same with my Built Bars. But also if I want something a little bit different, like a Fig Newton, then I really like Strawberry Newtons. So very random that you asked me that and very random that you seemingly know that I eat Newtons. Did I do that on Instagram or something? I don't know. But yeah, strawberry flavor is really, really good. You can probably, you know, search for it at Whole Foods if you're looking next time and you're in the mood for a a Fig Newton. Okay, now a much more substantive question and answer. Once saved, always saved. Is this biblical? So let me start by saying that there are sincere Bible-believing Christians who uh, we will see each other in heaven who do not believe in once saved, always saved. I believe in once saved, always saved. But there are many Christians that I respect, theologians that I respect, who know a lot about the Bible and love the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, who do not believe this. So this is one of those um theological differences that we don't see, most people don't see as primary, but see rather as kind of secondary or tertiary. Um, And now that could be debated. Some people might say, no, that is a misunderstanding of the gospel. That's a misunderstanding of salvation in general. And that's just kind of a deal breaker. There could be some people who, who say that. I don't think so. I don't think that's a denial of the gospel in any way to say that you can well, it's it's debatable now that I'm thinking about it. It's de- it's I I understand people's perspective on that, but I don't think it's a denial of the gospel to say uh, that once saved, always saved is not biblical. Because I know a lot of sincere Christians who do believe that, and they have the scripture to back it up. I just disagree with their interpretation of that scripture. But I could see how someone would say, well, actually, that's just a misunderstanding, not just of salvation, but of Jesus Christ in general, and how he saved us. And so maybe some people argue that that actually is a fundamental denial of the gospel. But I don't I I don't think so. I think there are a lot of in good faith Christians and faithful Christians who disagree on this subject. However, I see the most support in scripture for the idea that yes, once you are truly saved, you are 
always saved. Romans 8, I think, is probably the strongest case to make for this. Just reading verse 30 alone. And those he predestined, God predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. The chapter goes on to say that nothing can separate us from the love of God. No charge can be brought against God's elect. That word elect is used several times in the New Testament, referring to everyone who is saved in Christ. Ephesians 1, 4 through 5 and verse 11 speak to this concept as well. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So God chooses uh, through his uh, divine will and sovereignty whom will be saved. I understand a lot of people are very, um, they don't like that. They they don't like that uh, assertion that God actually does the choosing. But scripture says that over and over again. Now, that doesn't mean that there is no human responsibility. There's this idea, this theological idea called concurrence, where uh, we believe that simultaneously God holds men accountable for their real decisions, their real consequences to your actions. And God is absolutely just in allowing those consequences, both temporal and eternal, to play out, even as he is solely and wholly in charge of absolutely everything. As Job 42.2 says, his will, there's there's nothing that can thwart his will. Uh, Matthew 10 says, not even a sparrow falls out of the sky apart from your father's will. And so if not even a sparrow, which is sold for two or sold for a penny, falls from the sky apart from your father's will, then surely salvation is not outside of the father's will. Now, if you're asking, whoa, 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 that's unfair, that's unjust. A lot of people also thought that. Um, in Rome, apparently, when Paul wrote to the Romans, for example, in Romans 9, he talks about this, that this is a very very difficult concept to believe that God is choosing who he is going to show mercy to and God is choosing who who he is not going to show mercy to. And yet in that chapter, I would say Romans 9 through 11, basically the conclusion is, is that God does what he wants to do. And if God is omnipotent, if God is, which means all powerful, if he is omniscient, that means he is all knowing and he is all just and he is all good, uh, then that means that he is in charge of everything and he is not unjust um, to choose some and not others. And uh, there's really just no escaping that biblically. I wish there were because it's a very difficult concept for me to wrap my mind around. I've got a, I know, I've got a lot of friends who are 
not Calvinist. I've got a lot of friends who um, do not believe that, who are faithful, sincere, wonderful Christians. I've had them on this podcast before. And so I know there are other doctrinal positions when it comes to that. But talking about that is actually very important to answering this question of once saved, always saved. Because if God is in charge of our salvation, which I think also Ephesians 2 makes very clear that it is not our own doing, that we are saved by grace through faith, that it is a gift, that it has nothing to do uh, with our own efforts. Um, If that is true, if God is solely responsible for our salvation and even the repentance that we do, even the turning to him that we do is inspired by his Holy Spirit, is pushed by him, then it's very hard to make the case that we can lose that salvation that we had nothing to do with obtaining in the first place, if that makes sense. If God gets all of the glory and all of the credit for our salvation, if all we're contributing to our salvation is, as the saying goes, the sin that makes it necessary, then we are secure because we can't lose something that we uh, that we did not obtain through our own efforts in the first place. If God secured it, he is he doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't say, whoops, that was an accident, saved you, but um, sorry, you disappointed me. I'm going to let you go. If he knows everything and he's in charge of everything and he has chosen us in him, as Ephesians 1 says, before the foundation of the world, uh, then we can rest in the assurance that that salvation is secure, that that salvation is sure. Now, I've done a whole episode, I'll link to it in the description, called Predestination. Also, I've talked about TULIP before. Um, And so I've done full episodes on those. People ask me about that a lot, but I've talked about these subjects very thoroughly in the past. And so I'll make sure to link to those past episodes in the description uh, to this podcast. And so you can listen more thoroughly. But if again, if God is in charge of our salvation, which I think uh, the Bible is very clear on that he chose us in him before we even did anything. Again, Romans 9 also reiterates that concept. So I would read those passages before you come at me with your anger. A lot of people get very angry when I talked about predestination, which I understand. I did too. The first time I learned about it in sixth grade, I was very angry about it. I also said, that's unfair. Um, but there are plenty of things that the human mind thinks is unfair that are actually just according to God who created justice and who created Created mercy. Really, the fair thing would be for all of us to be separated from God and under his wrath forever. The unfair thing, the gracious thing is that he saves any of us at all. A lot of people ask me when they're hearing about this, okay, well, how do I know that I'm saved? It's, it stresses me out to think about the election and choosing and thinking all of and thinking about, you know, God calling us his chosen ones, which he absolutely does. Um, how, how do I know? Well, in the same way that you knew before you even thought about this concept of predestination and choosing. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We are bearing fruit of repentance in our lives, the conviction that you feel um, 
uh, about sin is evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life, your love of God, your compelling that you feel to love other people. All of this is evidence of God in your life. Any desire that you have to follow him is not something that you can take credit for, but is actually a working of the Holy Spirit in your life. As the book of Philippians says, we are to work our salvation out with fear and trembling. And that sounds like it's our our responsibility. But the verse follows up and says, it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So this working of justification and sanctification, God gets to take credit for all of it. And I think our human propensity is to say, well, it's actually more comfortable for me if I feel like I have some control over this. I have some control over my salvation, but actually that makes it a lot more vulnerable. Like that makes me a lot more stressed out. If I think that I have to work to maintain my salvation, I am somewhat in charge of it. I have some authority over my eternal destination. Well, I'm like, I'm a failure. I'm a sinner. I am going to constantly trip and fall. But if I know that God has promised that he's going to catch me, that my salvation is secure, not because of anything I bring to the table, but because of what he has done. Like if I see the evidence, not perfectly, of course, but uh, if I see the evidence of the Holy Spirit in my life, hopefully increasingly, over over time, um, then I I can trust that God has saved me and that I don't get to take any credit for that. And yes and amen, I don't want to bear the responsibility for that. Because if that's the case, I'm going to mess it up over and over again. But the God who doesn't mess up promises that he has me, that there's going to be nothing that can separate me from him and vice versa. Um, that there's, I, I can't, uh, I can't mess it up. I can't make him change his mind. I can't uh, somehow step out of his good graces because his good graces are not applied to me, again, because of what I have done, but because of what Christ has done on my behalf and because Christ is perfect and he has promised to stand in intercession for me. Um, I can trust that salvation is sure. First John Two through 18 says, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. So that just means people who are against Christ, false teachers, people who are not believers. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. Again, you have been chosen, anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge, or you all have knowledge, actually. Um, and so I think it's important for us to know that there will be people who claim to be Christians that maybe even God used to glorify himself through, who once claimed to believe the gospel, who will then reject the faith. And I think that the Bible is clear. Now, again, there's disagreement on this, that that person was never really saved in the first place. They were never really Christians. They talked the talk. Maybe it looked like they were walking the walk. They were having a spiritual experience and God decided to use them maybe in some way. Like I think about uh, particular authors who they wrote books that maybe 
you really benefited from or you learned something from and then they come out several years later and become what they call an ex-evangelical or they deconstructed their faith to the point of basically being an agnostic which is always the end of that endeavor um and uh you wonder okay hang on because they seemed really genuine and they seemed really sincere uh how how did this happen that they now are denouncing their faith well i think first john to speaks speaks to that. Um, I think that we can safely say that it's not that God chose them and saved them and then they messed up too much and God let them go, but rather that they had some sort of spiritual experience and they were able to kind of repeat the talking points of biblical Christianity, but their hearts actually weren't regenerated by the Holy Spirit. I just don't think that human beings have enough power in and of ourselves to be able to do that and to determine those things. And actually, actually, that's such a reason to rejoice that I don't have to take responsibility for that. I can't take credit for that. I just get to completely and totally rejoice in the Lord. Salvation is not one of those things, by the way, where you're constantly wondering for the rest of your life if you made it into the elect. If you love God, if you are pursuing God, if you have those convictions from the Holy Spirit, then you can rest assured you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about it. And I think it's that assurance and it's that confidence that the reality of once saved, always saved of Romans 8 that he, uh, those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also ju- uh, justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. It's that assurance that gives us every reason to worship and to rejoice. Okay, guys, I want to tell you about Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile has the broadest nationwide coverage and uses the same towers as all of the other mobile service providers. They have plans to fit any budget and great multi-line discounts. But what sets them apart from the other big name carriers is that they uh, hold to conservative Christian values. You're not going to be paying money to a company that hates you and your belief system and your way of life, the way that so many major corporations are these days. And so you can give your money and you can support Patriot Mobile knowing that you are supporting good causes that you also uh, agree with. And if you switch now and you bring in your phone, you get 50% off your first two months plus a free Patriot starter kit. You just have to go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie or call 972-PATRIOT. Use promo code Allie when you go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie and you get that discount and you also uh, get that free starter kit and you get a chance to win in their contest, which is the Be a Patriot contest. And there are a few different ways that you can enter. Um, you can donate to one of their participating charities. You can switch your service to a Patriot mobile plan, or you can send in your thoughts on what it means to be a Patriot. So just go to patriotmobile.com slash Use promo code Allie. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie. All right, that's going to be controversial. Let's talk about another controversial topic. Um, A lot of people have asked me, hey, can you draw the distinctions between Mormonism or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? I believe that's the whole um, the whole church title and what you believe to be Christianity. And even saying that there is a distinction or there is any way to distinguish between the two is very controversial. Listen, I've got a lot of people 
who are Mormons or who call themselves LDS who follow me. You follow me on Instagram. Maybe you're listening to this podcast right now. And we have a lot in common. Typically, people who are in the Mormon church are conservative. Um, we ha- we do have a lot of the same views. And we have what sounds like a lot of the same theological views, a lot of the same doctrinal views. And you have probably noticed that there are quite a few influencers and maybe some people that you know in your life who are very much striving to say that Mormonism is simply a denomination of Christianity, that we need to kind of put aside our differences, that they're kind of secondary or tertiary differences, and that... um They're not gospel differences, that essentially people who are Mormons believe in the same gospel. You might have also noticed that there is a hard push against the word Mormon. This didn't always used to be the case. This has been a a change in the Mormon church that they want to be referred to as the Church of Jesus Christ or a Latter-day Saint rather than um, a Mormon. And again, this is a desire to kind of blur any distinctions between what is Orthodox Christianity and Mormonism. And we could talk uh, about at length about the differences uh, between Mormonism and between Orthodox Christianity. This could be an entire series of podcasts comparing the texts. Um But I think the two biggest things as I have been studying this and as I have talked to a lot of you who identify as Mormons, I think the biggest thing is the are the contradictory ideas of God. And so according to Mormonism or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, according to Mormon Doctrine, page 321 and teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 345, God is an exalted man who actually kind of earned his position through good works. Um, And so he is not what Christians view God as. Uh, The Bible Uh, the word of God, which we don't believe is on par with any other kind of uh, compilation of so-called scripture or doctrines. We believe that it is the only inerrant scripture um, says that God has been from the beginning. He has been God from the beginning. He was never a man. Um, We're not talking about Emmanuel or incarnation, the God made flesh, but God the Father was never a man. He was there from the beginning. The Trinity was there from the beginning. Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and who is to come the Almighty. This is reiterated throughout scripture. So he is the beginning and the end. Before him, there was no other. He did not elevate himself to the place of God. He has always been God. He has been in his position of creator and sustainer and ruler of the universe from eternity past, a concept that we as humans, as finite beings, can't even uh, comprehend because we are limited by time and space, but God is not. He pre-exists the universe. He pre-exists time and space, and he has always been God. He did not earn his position uh, according to Christianity of being God. He did not elevate himself to that position. He always has been God according to Orthodox Christianity, and that is who he is. God was never a man. Numbers 23, 19, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? I also encourage you to read Job 38 through 42 and see who God is and where he has been for all of time and even before that. 
Mormonism believes, and I think this is probably uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest distinction between Mormonism and Orthodox Christianity. They believe that Jesus was a God, but not God himself. And this is the conversation that I've had with a lot of you who identify um, as Mormons. It is absolutely essential to the Christian faith. It's the crux of the Christian faith that Jesus is God and that he is also his only begotten son who became flesh. And so I know that Mormons believe that Jesus was a son of God, but Christians believe that Jesus is God. And this is necessary for believing in and understanding the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. John 1 is very clear about this, that Jesus is God. If you talk to a Mormon, they'll say that the King James version of the Bible and all of the Mormon doctrines are completely in line with one another and that there is no contradiction. But again, if you look at, for example, Mormon Doctrine, page 547, Articles of Faith, page 35, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 372, and then you compare that to John 1, whether you do King James Version or whether you do the ESV, you will see a contradiction there about who Jesus was. And again, that is the crux of the Christian faith. So John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So cannot get any more specific you could read it as in the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through Jesus and without Jesus was not anything made that was made in Jesus was life and the life was the light of men. The light, Jesus, shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen Jesus' glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth came through this Jesus Christ. So Jesus is God. Without the belief that Jesus is God or the belief that God elevated himself to the place of God or that Jesus was just a God and not God himself, that denial of the belief in the Trinity, that denial of the belief in Jesus's exclusive Godness as the second person, but an equal person in the Trinity is a denial of the fundamentals of the Christian faith. And so we could get in to all the differences between Mormonism and Christianity. But the fact of the matter is, is that Mormonism has a different idea of who God is, a different idea of who Jesus is, and therefore has a different understanding of what salvation is and what the gospel is. And so it's not the same as, for example, Baptists saying that we believe in credo-baptism, which is what I believe in, that in believers baptism and uh, Presbyterians, for example, believing in pedo-baptism, infant baptism. Um, these differences are small differences. We believe in the same gospel. We believe in the same God. We believe in the same Jesus. We believe that we're going to see each other in heaven one day. It's not the same as the difference between an Arminian, like we were talking about in the beginning, and a Calvinist, someone who believes in you know total depravity and uh, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and the perseverance of the saints, once saved, always saved. 
and and things like that. Those are also different forms of doctrine, different forms of uh, Christianity. But we're all Orthodox Christians. We all agree on who God is. We all agree on what salvation is, essentially. We all agree that Jesus is God. Outside of that, you have faiths that look like Christianity in some ways, but don't share the core tenets. And that is a core tenet of Christianity, the Godship of Jesus Christ. Um, That is essential to understanding why the propitiation, why the sacrifice that he gave us on the cross is eternal and why it covers our sin, how he became our perfect sacrifice to understand that he is also the I am that he has been here since the beginning, before the beginning, that he is preeminent over all creation. As the book of Colossians also says, that is essential to Christianity and the gospel. And without that, you have something that sounds like Christianity in a lot of ways and is held by a lot of sincere, loving, wonderful, kind people, but is not Orthodox Christianity. And so that's just one distinction of the many distinctions. And I would say the most uh, important distinction. Okay, guys, quick break to tell you guys about Gabby. So if you're looking for ways to save money, which a lot of people understandably are right now, one way you might be able to save money is by seeing if you can get a better deal on your current insurance coverage. So when it comes to car and home insurance, you want to make sure that you are getting good coverage, but also that you're not overpaying for it. And that's exactly why Gabby exists. Uh, They are a service that allows you to compare your current um, your current insurance coverage, your current insurance plan with other insurance plans to ensure that you already have the best deal. If you don't have the best deal, it will show you a side-by-side comparison of other policies with the exact same coverage uh, for a better price. Or they might just tell you, the service might just tell you that, hey, you already have the best deal for your insurance that you could possibly have. And then you rest assured that you're not overpaying for your current coverage. So you use your current insurance information at Gabby.com. You just enter it in. And then in minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage that you currently have. It's totally free to use. They're not selling your information. They're not going to spam you. They're not going to call you. They just want to help you save money on insurance if you can. And again, if there is no, um, if there's no alternative, like if there's not a better option out there, that just means that you're already paying the best rate that you possibly can for the coverage that you have. And you can rest assured knowing that. But Gabby customers do save $961 per year on average when they see if there is a better rate out there for the coverage that they have. That's $961 per year on average. That's a big deal. That can make a difference for you and your family. So you might as well just test it out. It's totally free to use. Go to Gabby, G-A-B-I dot com slash relatable. That's Gabby dot com slash relatable. Gabby dot com slash relatable. All right. One more question 
Uh, how important is it that you and your spouse agree politically? So I think it's, um, it depends on what you disagree on. Like, does your husband believe that like abortion is fine? Uh, does your husband believe in socialism? Does your husband um, believe in, you know, some form of far leftism and you're like staunchly conservative? Or is it that you just can't agree completely on tax policy? Is it just that you can't agree on the most effective policy for maintaining the security of our our borders? I think it depends on how far apart you guys are when it comes to these issues. Um, I think that as long as you share the same values and the same faith, I think most importantly, in the same biblical worldview, but you just find yourself coming to different conclusions on these particular policies, I think that can be okay. I think it's when the underneath, like the roots of what you believe in your worldview are disparate is when things can really start to unravel and when it makes things harder than they are. That's not to say that a Republican and a Democrat can never be together and never make it work. But I do think it's so important for you to share core values, because even if you share all the same values and you share the same faith and maybe you were raised the same way, marriage is still going to be hard because you're living with you're living with another person who has flaws and habits and hangups and and uh, is going to disappoint you. You're going to disappoint them and you're just going through the hardship of life together. Like that's already going to be difficult because life is difficult. Now it's worth it and wonderful and beautiful, but it's already going to be difficult even if you agree on all the essentials. But I think going through those very hard things and going through inevitable disagreements and discussions that come with life and not agreeing on your core values and not coming from the same essential worldview, that makes it way harder. One of you is going to end up just being quiet and just being like, I think that we're going in a bad direction as a family, but I'm just not going to say anything or you're going to constantly be butting heads. So I think what's more important is not that you agree on all the policies. My husband and I probably don't agree on every single political policy or every single political candidate, but we have the same worldview. So at the end of the day, we can, if we say, hey, I think that, you know, this policy is good. And I say, I think this policy is bad. We can always walk backwards and say, well, here's why. If he says, well, I think socialism is good because there's no reason why the state shouldn't become God. And I'm like, well, hang on. God is God. The state isn't God. Um, that would be a huge problem because we'd be coming from two totally different positions. But if our why is the same and we just end up coming to different conclusions at the top, I think that's okay. You just have to make sure, again, that that world of view and those core values that you have are at least very similar. It will just make things a lot uh, smoother. So I hope that answered your question. All right. That's all I got time for today. I will see you guys back here soon. 